In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I was asked to speak to you about the nature of Christ. First, I like to explain to you our belief in the nature of Christ as it is revealed to us in the Holy Scripture. As you know, when we speak about theology, we don't make theories or we don't make a speculation. But what is revealed to us in the scripture, this is what we believe in. So our faith based on the revelation. For example, when the Lord Jesus Christ asked the disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter told him, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. The Lord told him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Flesh and blood means human being. So it is not a human revelation. But my heavenly Father, this revelation is from the Father, from God. So theology is done by revelation what's revealed to us in the scripture and what's explained to us by early church fathers is this what we believe in. The Lord Jesus Christ is God the Son who was born from the Father before all ages. He is the hypostasis of the Son and he is true God of true God as we say in the creed. And in the fullness of time, the hypostasis of the Son took full humanity from St. Mary. What do I mean by full humanity? Body, soul, and spirit. As each human being are composed of body, human, and spirit. So he took full humanity. The divinity did not Unite with a person, but the divinity took the full humanity from Saint Mary. Let me explain the difference. Saint Mary did not conceive in a person, and then later on the divinity came and dwelt in this person. No. By the way, this is heresy, the heresy of Nestorius that St. Mary conceived a person, Jesus, and then the divinity is united with the person. But this is a heresy. If we believe in this, then Jesus is a man who became God. And this is a heresy. Jesus is not a man who became God, but he is God who became man. Big difference between the two. The Lord Jesus Christ is not a man who became God, but he is God who became man. But he took the full humanity from St. Mary. Because another person called Apollinarius, he said he took only from St. Mary the body. And the divinity replaced the soul and the spirit of the person Jesus Christ. But no, 
this again a heresy because in this way Jesus did not become a man he just took body he is not a full human being the Lord Jesus Christ is perfect divine and perfect human perfect divine and perfect human but at the moment of conception at the moment of conception the divinity is united with the humanity the divinity is united with the humanity at the moment of the conception and since that moment until the end of the ages there is no separation between the humanity and the divinity even not for a twinkling of an eye there is no separation between the humanity and the divinity sometimes when we try to explain a mystery mystery means something above and beyond our comprehension when we try actually to explain a mystery how we explain it there is no words to explain it that's why we start to say he is not like this he is not like this he is not like this because there is no word to explain who he is for example usually when we speak about god we say without beginning without end timeless incomprehensible when we say he is not this he is not this because there is no word to explain when we explain the unity if you want to ask me can you explain the unity between the divinity and the humanity i will tell you it is mystery but i can tell you it is not like what if you have solid material and solid material and you put them together for example if you have salt and sugar and you, you put them together we call it mingling they mingle together بالعربي اختلاط so we say this unity is not like how the solid material are mingled together what about the liquid the liquid for example tea and milk when actually you mix them together they are confused together يعني after you mix the tea and the milk you cannot separate them from each other in, in Arabic we call it mazig or imtizag in English we call it confusion because they are confused together now you cannot separate them there a third type of union we have the, the first type of the solid material second type of the liquid third type chemicals chemicals if you put hydrogen and oxygen you will have what? water H2O here in this union there is alteration because water is different from the hydrogen and different from the oxygen that's why when we speak about this unity we say without mingling without confusion and without alteration in arabic بدون اختلاط ولا امتزاج ولا تغيير because the mingling is the union of the solid material confusion is the union of the liquid material of the fluids and alteration is the union of the chemicals 
So when we say without mingling, without confusion and without alteration, now we understand why the church used these three expressions. To tell us it is a mystery, incomprehensible, above and beyond our understanding. It's not like when you put solid material together or when you put flows together or even chemicals. It is a perfect union. It is hypostatical union. It is essential union. That's why when St. Paul spoke about it, he said, great is the mystery of godliness. God appeared in the flesh. It's great. Nobody can understand. And as I said, this union is permanent union. Permanent union. And during the moment of the union between the humanity and the divinity, during this moment, the humanity that the Lord Jesus Christ took from St. Mary, because of this union, at this moment, it became perfect humanity. Perfect, without sin, without corruption. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ was born without the original sin. And his nature was not a corrupted nature. And he is immortal. As we say, holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, who was born of the Virgin. And when you ask me about if he is immortal, how he died on the cross, because he accepted death, he allowed the death to approach him by his own will and authority alone. As we say in the Divine Liturgy in St. Gregory Liturgy, in the night in which he delivered up himself to death by his own will and authority alone. And this is what he said to Pontius Pilate, I have authority to lay it down and to take it back, to lay my soul down and to take it back. When we speak about the Immaculate Conception, Immaculate Conception does not apply to St. Mary. But if this term we want to apply it, it applies to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because immaculate means without sin. So the Lord Jesus Christ was conceived without sin, without corruption. Since this union happened, we cannot speak about two natures anymore. But we speak about one nature from two natures. One nature from two natures. When we speak about the Lord Jesus walked on the water, I cannot say his divinity. No. It is the incarnated Son of God walked on the water. When the Lord Jesus Christ was hungry after he fasted for 40 days, then the incarnated Son of God was hungry. St. Cyril he used a term very important called exchange of properties. What do you mean by exchange of properties? Whatever is said about the humanity, we can say it about the incarnated Son of God. And whatever says about the divinity, 
it can be said about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because these two natures now became one nature. And from the time of the union, I cannot speak, oh, this is done by the divinity. This is done by the humanity. We cannot. Maybe some of you will ask, what happened in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ? Did the divinity part from the humanity? Think about something like this pen. If it is possible to put this in fire without being melted, the whole pen now is united with fire. Right? Then if I separate this pen into two parts, this part will be united with fire and this part will be united with fire. That's what happened at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened? His soul was separated from his body. But the soul is still united with the divinity. And the body is still united with the divinity. And the soul that is united with the divinity descended to Hades and restored our father Adam and his children to paradise. And his body that was in the tomb is still united with the divinity. Until the day of resurrection, what happened? The human soul that is united with the divinity returned back to the body that was in the tomb and is united also with the divinity. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What was separated from each other in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ? Not his divinity and humanity, no. But his human soul was separated from his body. But the human soul is still united with the divinity and the body is still united with the divinity. Until Sincerely used a very important term when he said, Mea thesis to eu to theo cesar comini. Mea means one, one from two. Thesis, like physics, nature. To eu to theo, eu theo, you hear it in the divine liturgy, eu theos, son of God. Cesar comini sarex, the incarnated son of God. And this term was very important term. In 1989 and in 1991, when there was a dialogue between the Oriental Orthodox Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church, what solved you know, the problem of the nature of Christ, this sentence, Mea Fisis to Theos Arcomini, it's Greek. Because both churches agreed on this statement that Jesus Christ has one nature from two natures. Unfortunately, in many books, especially Western books, they call us monophysite. Monophysite. The difference between monophysite and meophysite is a big difference. Because mono means a single, single nature. It is either the humanity or the divinity. But meophysite, 
means one nature, not single nature, one from two natures. The monophysite was a heresy by Eutychus, who said that in the union, the humanity completely disappeared, dissolved, disappeared in the divinity. So the Lord Jesus Christ, just a divine nature, but appeared as a human being. And this actually is a heresy the church rejected. The monophysite, the other extreme, then it is only a human being, the humanity, like Nestorius. And the divinity just dwelt in him, not united with him. Nestorius actually emphasized that the divinity dwelt in Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, not united. That's why in the statement that both families, the Oriental and Eastern Orthodox Church, agreed on it, they said, we believe that Jesus Christ is perfectly human and perfectly divine, and these two natures are united together without mingling, without confusion, and without alteration, and we excommunicate the heresy of Eutychus and the heresy of Nestorius, because this heresy and this heresy speak about one nature. Either the divinity and the humanity disappeared like Eutychus, or it is the humanity and just the divinity dwelt, but there was no union in it. So I want you to know the difference between Meophysite and Monophysite. The Eastern family, they call themselves Diophysite. Diophysite. Dio, they emphasize the two natures. They emphasize the two natures. And one of the big differences, we say Jesus is one nature from two natures, and they say he is one nature in two natures. Big difference between saying one nature from two natures or saying one nature in two natures. This big difference between the Eastern Orthodox and the Oriental. We say one nature from two natures. From two natures. Why we reject the two natures? Because the two natures means there is separation. And it is like one person has two natures next to each other, like this. So they speak about one, one person, but two natures. The cross, actually, in order for God, the Son, to die for the whole world, and this sacrifice of the cross to be unlimited, to cover all sins for all the people in all ages, in order for this to happen, the divinity must be united with the humanity. Because the humanity is limited, even the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what gives the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ unlimited effect? The union with the divinity. So in order to say that the salvation of the cross covered all people in all ages, this union 
must be a real union. Otherwise, the, the salvation, just who died on the cross, is one person, and he cannot redeem the whole world. That's why the church rejected the idea of the two natures. And this was the reason in the Council of Chalcedon why we don't agree on the tomb of Leo. Because if you read the tomb of Leo, it explicitly speaks about two natures. And by the way, the disagreement in the Council of, of Chalcedon is not political disagreement. It is theological. Yes, there are some political dimensions. I cannot deny this. But the separation in this council, year 451, is not mainly because of the political issues that happened, but it is a theological difference. Because some people who want just to promote the union, they try to say, no, 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 Council of Chelsea, there is no theological uh, differences, it is just misunderstanding and political. No, it is not. And when you read the documentation of the Council of Nicaea, you can know for sure it is not uh, just a political, it is theological. And one of the best books that I encourage you to read is a book written by Reverend Father Shnuda Meher about the Council of Chalcedon, in which actually he put many of the documents of this council that make it very clear that the, the difference or the split is because of theological reasons. Nestorius refused to call St. Mary the mother of God because he said St. Mary gave birth to a person and then the divinity dwelled in this person. He said she is a mother of Christ, not mother of God. But we believe that at the moment of the conception, the divinity is united with the humanity, then the Holy One, as Archangel Gabriel said to St. Mary, the Holy One will be born of you is called the Son of God. And the word the Holy One is reserved only for God. And St. Elizabeth, after she being filled with the Holy Spirit, as we read in Luke chapter 1, she said to St. Mary, How come that the mother of my Lord comes to me? And these are not words of Elizabeth, but the word of the Holy Spirit, because she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she called St. Mary Mother of the Lord, Mother of God, the word Theotokos. And St. Cyril of Alexandria gives the example how iron and fire can be united together. Because one of the questions during the cross, did the divinity suffer? So St. Cyril said, if you have a piece of iron and united with the fire, it is a real union here. But if you hit this piece of iron, all the hitting will fall on what? On the iron, although it is united with the fire. So on the cross, all the pain and suffering fell on the humanity that is united with the divinity. So there is no separation. But the divinity doesn't die, divinity doesn't suffer. 
That's why when we speak about anything done by the Lord Jesus Christ, it is done by the one nature from two natures. When he converted, changed or transformed water into wine, that's the incarnated Son of God. When he died on the cross, that's the incarnated Son of God. And as I told you, it is a revelation. Let me share with you some verses from the scripture to say that the one who is born from St. Mary is God. In Luke chapter 1:35, Archangel Gabriel said to St. Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. That's very clear. And Elizabeth, the same chapter, verse 43, by why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. She gave birth to Son of God, Mother of God. And one actually of the very, very important verses in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 in the Old Testament. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Notice here the word God, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So, He is He is the incarnated Son of God. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman under the law. So all these verses actually speaks about the one who is born from St. Mary is the Son of God. And St. Paul, when actually he spoke about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew about this wisdom of God. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So who died here on the cross? The incarnated Son of God. He did not crucify the man Jesus Christ. But he said the Lord of glory. Because the death of the humanity only cannot save the whole world, cannot redeem the whole world. But the humanity must be united with the divinity. The death of the humanity can save and redeem the whole world. St. Peter in Acts chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, But you denied the Holy One. Who is the Holy One? God. And the just. And asked for a murderer, Barabbas, to be granted to you, and killed the Prince of Life. Who is the Prince of Life? 
God. Can anybody kill God? But why he said, and killed the prince of life? Again, because he who died, who he died on the cross, it's not the person Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ in whom actually the divinity is united with the humanity. You killed the prince of life, whom God the Father raised from the dead, of which you are witnesses. Also, inclusion chapter 1, verse 16, he's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. As, as we read, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The firstborn means the source, the origin of all creation. Does it mean he is created? For by him, by him, all things were created. By him, all things were created. By whom? By Jesus Christ. Then he is God that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominion. Then he is the creator of the angels and the archangels. All things were created through him and for him. So created by him, through him and for him. Created by him, through him and for him. What about many times the Lord described himself as the son of man? The gospel of Matthew speaks about Jesus, the son of man, because he wants to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. That's why this expression, Son of Man, is repeated several times in the Gospel of Matthew. But the Gospel of John spoke about the divinity of Jesus Christ. That's why it started by, and the Logos is God, and the Word is God. But does the word, the Son of Man, means is there is separation between the divinity and the humanity? Let us read John chapter 3. And verse 13, when the Lord Jesus Christ spoke with Nicodemus, he told him, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Can you say this word about a regular human being? Elijah, he ascended. Can we say this word about Elijah? That Elijah ascended to heaven, Elijah came down from heaven, Elijah is in heaven. Can we say this? No. Who is the one who came from heaven? Only the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the one while he was in earth, he is in heaven? Only the Lord Jesus Christ. By his divinity, because his divinity fills all places. And who is the one who ascended to the heaven of heaven? Jesus Christ. But here the Lord used the Son of Man. This proves that the Son of Man is God. And this is impossible to be said about Jesus unless his humanity and divinity are one. If there is two natures separated, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, this verse cannot apply to him. Because the Son of Man cannot be in heaven. And the Son of Man did not come from heaven. 
if the the nature the two natures are separated. But to say came from heaven, ascended to heaven, is in heaven, this verse is only possible if we believe in the unity or the union of Christ, the unity between the humanity and the divinity. Also, who has authority to forgive sin? Who can forgive sin except God alone? No one can forgive sin. And even in the sacrament of confession, Abuna does not forgive sin. Abuna just proclaims the forgiveness of sin that's granted to you from God by the Holy Spirit. That's why in the absolution that we pray after the fraction, it is inaudible absolution. Abuna says, let your servant be forgiven by your Holy Spirit from my mouth. Means what? Means we are forgiven by the Holy Spirit, but this forgiveness is proclaimed, is announced by the mouth of the priest. So no one actually can forgive sins except God. Let's read Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Again, if the divinity is not united with the humanity, we cannot say this verse. If Son of Man is, is the, the, the humanity, and then the divinity is dwelling in him or coexist with him. Because the, the two natures mean that the two natures coexist with, next to each other in one person. Then the Son of Man cannot forgive sins. But that the Lord Jesus Christ said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. This means that the two natures are one nature. Also, who is the judge of the world? God. No one can judge the whole world except God. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his works. If the two natures are coexisting next to each other, we cannot say this verse. But who will judge the world? It is God who became man, the incarnated Son of God, the Son of Man who is also God. How? Because the two natures are united together. And there are many, many verses, actually. Yeah, this enough. Because one last point I like to speak with you is about the two well. The well. Some people confuse the will of the, the Trinity and the will of the 
Lord Jesus Christ. For example, when the Lord said in Gethsemane, not according to my will, but according to your will, here not that the humanity is speaking to the divinity, but here the Son is speaking to the Father. Don't confuse this. When the Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane said, it is not my will, but your will, the Son is speaking to the Father. And this doesn't mean there is contradiction between the will of the Son and the will of the Father. But means there is total submission. As, as St. Paul said, he obeyed unto death, the, the death of the cross. So the Son here is submitting his will completely to the will of the Father. Like a father and son walking together. And the father asks the son, where do you like to take dinner tonight? So the son says to, to the father, whatever you decide. So here he submitted his will to, totally to the will of the father. Because many people, they think in this verse, the humanity is speaking to the divinity. No, it is the son is speaking to the father. Okay, as I told you, Jesus is a perfect man and a perfect divine. The Son of God, since eternity, has a will. Definitely there is a will for the, the hypostasis of the Son. And since the, the, the humanity is perfect, then there is a will here. So, after union, can we speak about two wills, the human will and the divine will? Or they are united together? Again, from the moment of the union. Not only the two natures are united to one nature, but there is no two wills in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only one will, the will of the incarnated Son of God. That's why we believe that he has one will and one action. What do you mean one action? There is no action done by the humanity and action done by the divinity. No. Any action is done by the incarnated Son of God. And the will is the will of the incarnated Son of God. That's why we don't speak about two wills after union. So don't confuse the will of the Father and the will of the Son because sometimes there are some verses speaking about the will of the Father and the will of the Son. So don't confuse these two wills with the will of the humanity and divinity. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, their will are in agreement together. There is no contradiction. For example, in John chapter 5, verse 30, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I don't seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So here you can see the agreement. Another verse, John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 4, 34. 
My food is to do the will of him, the father, who sent me and to finish his work. So here, since there is one will for the incarnated Son of God, we cannot speak about two actions. One action is done by the divinity and another action is done by the humanity. No, it is one action and one will and one nature from two natures. This is actually a summary, a quick summary about the nature of Christ. If you want to read more about it, there is a very, very wonderful book called The Unity of Christ by Sincere of Alexandria. I encourage you to read this book, Unity of Christ by Sincere of Alexandria. It's easy reading book, but it is wonderful. And if you want to understand exactly what happened in the Council of Chalcedon, I, I recommend highly to read the book about the Council of Chalcedon written by Reverend Father uh, Shinoda. Glory be to God forever. Amen.